Well, good morning, fellowship. How are you? Isn't it nice to hear Tim with a bit of an accent again? Just saying. You know. One of the things, one of the the fun parts about this weekend is we, we got the opportunity to come out a little early because of snow was we were in the house and, and one of the cousins turned around and said, Dad, knock off the accent. He said, I can't. My brother's here. And I went, yeah, that'll work. Here's the thing. It has been an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure to be with your teens. It has been an absolute pleasure to be working alongside my brother. Again, one of the greatest joys that I have truly is to be able to be in the trenches with my brother again. And, and that means the world to me. So thank you so much for affording me that opportunity. I'm only too happy to be here this morning. We've had an incredible weekend, one where we've gone through quite a lot together. We started looking at our need for Christ on Friday night. We called it the need because we, we wanted to define it as we went because we have so many needs in this world, whether it be food or shelter or water, down to, to silly things like that new iPhone that you want so bad. We've got all these kinds of things vying for our attentions, and yet our main need is the same that the paralytic man had when he was lowered down through that roof. It wasn't to get healed and get his legs back. It was to be saved and have his sins forgiven. That's our main need. Jesus is the only one who can fulfill that need. We talked on Saturday morning about the change that Jesus brings about in our lives, and we talked about the fact that it takes something on our parts to be able to participate with him in that. What it takes in our lives is that humility to be able to bow the knee to Jesus, to allow him access to our lives, all of what we sang about yet this morning. I'm not afraid to bring to you my failures. I contended with our teens that so many of us sing a song like that, but don't really mean those words because we are scared spitless that people will find out that we're not perfect. We're scared to bring to God all the nastiness and the the awkwardness and the sin in our lives. But the reality of it is, if we can have the humility that it takes to bow that knee, he's the one that washes our sin white as snow. We talked last night about the walk that we have with God and the opportunity that we have to do day-to-day life with him. He's not looking for everything to be done right now, but he is working you through what he wants you to do. We used an example of shaking a water bottle on Friday night, talking about what comes out of the water bottle. Why does it come out? People were saying, because it's shaken. No, what comes out of the water bottle comes out because it was in the water bottle. That water comes out because it was always there. The circumstances, the shake just revealed what was there. What do your circumstances reveal in your life? How do you react when you're shaken? These teens have been through a lot. We've been through a lot together. I even saw a competition won on the back of fellas singing about a belly button. (laughs) To put the rest of you at ease, it was a VeggieTales lip sync battle. Okay. 
But here's the thing. You have an incredible group of teens, and it has been my privilege to be with them throughout this weekend. As our thoughts turn to, to this morning, I want to read from God's Word a simple and yet so amazingly profound verse, an anchoring verse, a foundational verse for each one of our lives before the Lord. In, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, God's Word makes this profound truth so very clear to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. The old has passed away, and the new has come. To be able to look at what Jesus does in our lives is incredible. But one of the things that I've enjoyed so much about getting together with Tim is we can't help it but reminisce when we get together. So I would be remiss now if I didn't bring you greetings from Athlone Baptist Church and from my parents, who I know, again, are watching online. I didn't the other night, made a couple of comments. Got a couple of texts right after I was done speaking. That, that was middle child. Um, so... But the truth is, you have been so very kind to the Montgomery boys. And I thank you very much for your love and your care for my family back home in Ireland and here. I want to bring you greetings too from my church in Denver. Our pastor has been praying for us. Our pastoral staff has been praying for us throughout the weekend. My youth group back home has been praying for us. Thank you so much for the privilege of being with your teens. But greetings from there as well. Guys, we, if we know Christ, are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, and I know it to be true because God declared it. There are times when we don't feel all that new, though, right? There are times when we don't feel all that easy about things or all that confident in this new status that we've been afforded by God himself because he is the only one who can call that which is not as if it is. And because of the blood of Jesus paid out on the cross of Calvary for you and for me, we stand washed in his blood today if you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. That's truth that affords us a freedom, that affords us a gift of the ability to breathe. I don't know about you, but there, there are times when life seems to, to be so tough and life seems to be so hard that there are times it's a struggle just even to get moving. But in the midst of that, knowing what we know about God, knowing his intention for us, knowing his love and his compassion for us, he is the one that enables us to realize that we are not subject to that bondage anymore that we used to live in. Because of his son Jesus, now those chains have been broken and we have been set free. But set free not just to roam, but set free to be purposed and on a mission. See, one of the reasons that I'm standing before you today is the Great Commission. Ryan spoke about it earlier when we got to witness the baptism this morning. In Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20, Jesus declared, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So therefore... 
Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is why we've been saved. This is how we were saved in the first place. Because somebody took up that great commission and brought the truth of Christ to you. This is what we are called to do together now, is to bring it forward, to bring it out. It cannot stay here. It's too big for us. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that you guys do here at Fellowship very well, as most of us Christians, is eat. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. There was more food... Around this place in the last week, you could have gagged a maggot. It it was really, there was so much food around. It was fantastic. I had slices of pizza galore last night. And I was just, oh, man. Carbs sit heavy. Oh, at the end of the night. Here's the thing, guys. The difference between that and what I'm talking about is this. Is something that you can't contain, nor do you want to. And the greatest joy of your life is ahead of you when you let it free. When you let it go. When you let people know about the one who saved your soul. This is what we're called to. We have been given, as Second Corinthians calls it, a ministry of reconciliation. This is for you and for me. We get the opportunity to see people come before God and begin to understand that they are not okay where they're at. But that Jesus is able to take that upside down ship and turn it right side up again and change everything. Everything. This is what he does. The beauty of this is that we get the opportunity to take it forward. Our theme verse from my teens back home in Denver is 1 Peter 3.15. And in the CSB it reads, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to the one who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. I love this. One of the greatest challenge is in that verse is to be ready if you know jesus as your lord and savior then this challenge is for you this morning are you ready are you ready and when we hear a challenge like that we turn around and we go no i'm not ready because and we fill in the blank sometimes that blank is no i'm not ready because i haven't been to seminary yet no i'm not ready because i still have uh, a secular job no i'm not ready because i i still have kids to raise no i'm not ready because i still have college to get through no i'm not ready because you fill in your own blank and yet you and i today need to understand that he's the one that makes us ready. We finished last night with one of my and my father's favorite verses, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.
He will do it. It's not just down to you and whatever version of yourself you think ready looks like. It's not just down to whatever you think it is that you need to measure up to to be there. Jesus didn't say in the Great Commission, once you've been to Bible school, boys, he didn't turn around and say, once you paid off the house, he said, go into all the world. Now, I understand that there are people at different stages of life, and please understand I'm compassionate towards that. I know that there are those who could go, and I know that there are those that can't for whatever reason. And if that's a reason for you, that's fine. But you're not done yet either. And I'll come to you in just a minute. Here's the thing. Are we ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in the grocery store? Are we ready, D now, to give an answer for the hope that you have when you go back to school? You see, one of the things that they've been through this weekend is this is what we call a mountaintop experience. We even sang about that today. That our God is the God of the mountain and the God of the valley. But here's the deal. They need to go home. The fellowship staff would love you to. <laughs> Here's the deal. I love that it's been that fun a weekend. But the truth is, these teens have got to go home. Because the work isn't done on the mountain. The work is done in the valley. My friends, you've got a great group to lead these young people here. I'm not blowing smoke my brother's way because he said kind words about me. I'm the middle child. I don't do anything I'm supposed to do. But I love that young man, and he has an incredible heart for your teens. And I watched as he talked to them with tears in his eyes as he saw the passion flowing through him to your teens, or as I saw the passion flowing through him to your teens, the love that God has given them for them. And I'm going to tell you this morning that I believe with all my heart your teens are in safe hands here. But who teaches them to plow when they're not here? Because the work is done in the valley. Now, I'm not throwing shade your way, parents. Please understand. I'm not doing that this morning. I'm asking a question. Who's teaching them to plow when they come home from school and they've been bombarded yet again that day? Who's teaching them to plow when, when they've got situations that perhaps you may not have even dealt with yet? What happens? And who teaches them to plow when they've lost yet another friend? My friends, today, in my youth group back home, there are people that are struggling. There are teens that are struggling, and I'm going to let you into to a secret that they're not going to appreciate me telling you. But so very often, so very often, our 
kings feel weak. They don't have all the answers and they know it. They don't have the ability to come against everything and they know it. There are things that scare the snot out of them. And they're scared more to talk about it. Who is teaching them to plow? As we look at this, who's getting them ready? Because I believe within our congregation today, there are people who will go and make disciples. And it doesn't matter whether it's their neighborhood or outer Mongolia. They will go into all all the world and make disciples. I'm reminded of that great quote by by C.T. Studd. And he turned around and he said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Did you catch that? If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, and we can check that box, we know that to be true, then there's no sacrifice too great for me to make for him. So Lord, here I am. Send me. But teens, I'm going to tell you a secret that some of our adults may not appreciate me telling you. That there is so often in our lives times when we feel so very weak. Because despite what you think it looks like on the surface, we don't have all the answers. There are things that scare us. And we know we're supposed to hold it together for you. And we're not exactly sure what it is that we're supposed to do with this. But let me tell you, teens. For those whose parents are coming to this church, I'll speak for fellowship. I believe your parents are in great hands. I've heard Pastor Ryan and as he's opened the word. I've heard Brad. I've heard Tim. I've seen as they've expounded on God's word and as they brought it to us. And yet, for us today, we can hear all of it, teens and adults alike. And yet what it needs from us is what we said earlier, that humility to bend the knee and put it into practice. You see, we're all in this together. Tim talked about my family, and the greatest joy of my life is my family. Because the the truth of it is, I didn't want to be an astronaut, a race car driver, a rock star. I mean, sure, I could have done any of them, but it... (laughs) Middle child, right? But I didn't want any of that. I wanted to be a dad. From the youngest ages, I was going over to other babies. I just wanted to be a dad. I thought nothing would be cooler than having my own minions. (laughs) But the truth is that I've been blessed three times over with beautiful kids that are absolutely nuts. Every single one of them mad as a brush. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. 
in need of Jesus. And uh, <laughs> what a joy it's been to have Molly participate in D now. She's our oldest. We've got Kira bringing up the middle as my middle child, redheaded too. Doesn't do anything the way she's supposed to. Um, and my son is somewhere driving some poor Sunday school teacher crazy, right? But here's the thing, watching as they try and figure out their love for the Lord and watching as they try and figure out how to put this into practice, it's the greatest joy to be able to walk alongside and instruct and be there for and everything else. But most of the fun is had in the day-to-day because that's where God lives in our day-to-day. I love working with my hands. I love getting them greasy. I love working on cars. I love when my kids come under the car with me and go, Dad, can I turn that? And it's like, well, not yet. Let me get it started. Then you can have it. And as we get our hands dirty together, it's great because then, you know, you can mark each other up and you can have fun. You can chase each other through the house. It's a blessing because we're together. What we need, adults, teens, kids, is to realize that God has called us to this together. One of the things I appreciate so much about the way my parents raised Tim and I is that it wasn't their work. It was our work. My dad didn't have a work and raise a family. He raised a family in the work. Now, I know that there are people that have different stories, and I know that there are people that have different situations, and I'm not claiming that this is everybody's experience, but it became our work. The Montgomery boys and our older sister, Laura, had a role within that work. We were the first in, the last out, you know. And as every other pastor's kids, let's just say it again so it's out there, we're either the best or the worst, and I was not the best, so I'll let you figure out the rest of that. There's very few in between, but the issue is that we had a part in this. And my parents were great at bringing us in and making us feel a part of this. So what are they a part of in your home? What is the work that you're pulling together for as a family? What are you participating here at Fellowship in as a family? Is what's important to you important to them? Is what's important to them important to you? These are questions that that need answers because at the end of the day, this is how we grow together. I struggle with some of the things my kids like. I don't get the Thundermans or someone from Avalor, Elena from Avalor, right? Where's Kira? She's the one. I I don't, okay. I don't get all of that. But do you realize that you don't have to have all the answers? What you need to do is be present and be together. 
In the same way that the Bible reminds us that we are to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, we are to be together, we are to be intimate with one another insofar as we are to walk with one another, doing life with one another, being spurred on with one another, putting God's word into practice with one another. Because we have been called to love one another. You don't need a scholarship to be able to do that. You need a willing heart ready to respond to the great gift of your salvation that has been credited to you because of Jesus. So, in Acts chapter 13... In verse 47, we begin to see that God has commanded us to do something. And I want to leave both you and our teens with a strong challenge at the end of this weekend, because if not, I wouldn't be doing my job. But here's the deal, guys. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 47, God's word tells us, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And we don't do this by ourselves. We don't do this on our own. We don't do this because we're strong enough, because we have this, the, the accolades behind us. We don't do this because it's anything other than what God has commanded us to do. But when you take that step, when you begin to trust him and go, Lord, I don't know how you're going to use me, but please use me today. Tim was talking earlier about talking with, with people who are having a hard day and, and beginning to, to go to them, perhaps at school or wherever else, and saying, hey, I see you're struggling today. Can I pray with you? And we turn around and we say prayers over dinner. We say prayers at night and prayer seems pardon me, to be one of the simplest things that we can do. It's part of our everyday life. But when you're asked to pray with somebody else that may or may not respond that favorably to it, is it every day anymore? I don't think so. Because it takes that commitment to the call of God on your life to put into practice what you have heard. And to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. But when you take that step, you are met and empowered by the Holy Spirit of our God. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we're reminded of these words. Because we're told, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. This is going to happen. Is it happening through you? See, we've got teens right now that are going to go back down to that valley. And ladies and gentlemen, they are going back down tired. Right? It has been a long weekend. We ran them hard. We had a great time yesterday. There has been a lack of sleep. They understand now what our Marines go through in sleep deprivation training. 
That's what happens when you get a bunch of people together, especially the young ladies when they talk at night. I mean, it just it happens, right, ladies? Right? Tim did this thing where he did a sliding scale of how many hours of sleep people got. We got down to two. Right? Crazy. So they're coming home tired. But tiredness, as we discussed before, teens, is not an excuse for bad behavior. Amen? So we're not going to go home and bite the heads off our family members, are we? We're not going to go home and cause a ruckus and cause a row because we've had a bad attitude, right? No, we're going to go home and we're going to thank God for the great weekend we've had. We're going to try and take a nap in the corner. We'll wake up, we'll eat, we'll go back to napping in the corner. And we'll pray that our family has that grace and that mercy on us to understand that we're just knackered and done. But here's the deal, guys. The work starts as you're walking out these doors. And you will receive power. Because we, as God's children, have his Holy Spirit inside of us. And we can be witnesses in our homes today, in our schools tomorrow, in the shopping malls the next day, and wherever else the Lord may bring us. And it's true and real because he is able, more than able. So, as we look at our last couple of verses together, not promising to finish up anytime soon. It's still two verses, right? Montgomery, after all. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15 is one of those that, that for me, sums up what our lives should be. And if at some point you think differently, to quote somebody so much wiser, stronger and more faithful than I. That too, God will make clear to you. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15 says this. And if he died for all, so that those, or sorry, he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them. And was raised. This is what we're called to. This is what life is about. Our lives today. As you saw from the beautiful declaration of baptism. And this young lady taking that step. To say that she is identifying with our Lord and Savior. In his death, burial and resurrection. But she's living. Seeking to live for him today. I love that. I got goosebumps sitting down in the chair watching as that young lady took that step to be baptized. If any of our teens in here this morning haven't and are curious about what that is, please talk to Tim or Pastor Ryan. Let them know that you're interested in finding out more about that. It is nothing mystical or spiritual. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me break it down for you really simply. You're just getting up, jumping into a pool, and getting wet in front of a bunch of strangers. That in and of itself is nuts. All right? But if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what you're doing 
you're saying that the old is gone and the new has come. You're seeking to die to yourself and live for Christ. This is beautiful and something that God will meet you in and carry you forward. Because your life, from the day that you ask Jesus into your heart to the day that he calls you home, is on a mission to seek to be light to this world around us. You're on a mission to seek to live, not for yourselves any longer, but for the one who saved your soul. This is the joy to which we were called. That last verse is Colossians chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. In this passage, we find out that what has started must continue. It says in verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. This is what we were called to. We have a, a thing with our teens back home in Denver called Youth in the Community. Some of your teens came out to join us for it last year. What we do is we run our teens hard throughout the week. We do yard work in the morning and we play with them in the afternoon. And it's a great opportunity. Our church up in Frederick has been doing it for the last 11 years. And that has grown immensely up there. We started with your teens just this past year in, in Broomfield. But as I've been a part of, I think it's six or eight of the 10 of them in Frederick, we work hard and we play hard, yes. But we've got a motto throughout this week. And that is that the job's not done until the job's done. That's really simple, right? The job's not done until the job's done. We're to continue to walk with him. Praying a prayer, even at a weekend like this, is not the end, it's the beginning. As you go home and as Wednesday, Thursday, Friday hit and as the tiredness begins to ebb away because you've been getting regular sleep now, it doesn't change. Doesn't change the goal that God has set before us. It doesn't change the mandate that he has given us to live for him. It doesn't change the fact that there are lost people out there that don't yet know him. My wife was part of New Tribes, now Ethnos 360, with her family for years, and they told us that there are around 2,000 people groups that still do not have a word of the Bible in their own language. Not one. 2,000. We've sung songs until the whole world hears. This is the, the job in front of us. But let's not overcomplicate it. We can't go to everywhere at once. Relax. But there's some that can go. There's some that can stay to those who stay. I told you I was coming. I asked our teens a question last night. 
At the end of their small groups, the, in their packets, the last question, I believe, was, do you want to be discipled? Because they don't have all the answers. They're painfully aware of that. And yet at the same time, there's a longing for the Lord. There's a heart for him. I was talking to, to somebody just the other day who said, I'm caught in something and I can't get out. And I feel like it's ripping me apart. I don't know how to stop this. That was here. That was one of your teens. I love the courage it took to be honest enough to say, I don't have it. I don't know what to do. And I love that there are people in this room who know what to do. Because for those of you more mature within this room today, for those of you that that have walked life, that have seen God at work within your life, you are not just a wealth of information. You are a wealth of experience. You are a wealth of the joys of walking with the Lord, of the lows of stumbling and failing still yet today. You are a wealth of, of stories to depict the joy of winning the battle and the joy of feeling that or the the pain of feeling that you're crumbling beneath it so i asked the teens would you like to be discipled church i want to ask you this morning who will disciple them You may not be the ones to go now. But the job's not done until the job's done. Who will disciple them now? I believe as I look around the room in here today, that question could be answered. Because I know that there are stories in here that I would benefit from hearing. I know that as we work together and as we graft together, things grow. Because we don't just need pastors. We don't just need elders and deacons to do the work. We need everyone together to do the work. Let's get our hands dirty together. Let's work and find the joy of grafting in with one another. From the tender shoots that are coming up in our Sunday school classes with the little ones. To the young oaks of the teens. With all the energy in the world except for this afternoon. Ready. Primed wanting, passionate to the mature oaks amongst us that have been through life, that have been weathered, that have taken those knocks, that have come through, that have seen God work, that have produced fruit, that is now producing more as the ripples go out, as the fruit grows around you my friends today i love worship 
One of the songs that, that has been hitting me is a song called Build My Life. The chorus in it says this, Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. What would it be if that was our heart today? What would it be if that was our heart both here in Wildwood and back home in Denver? What would it be if God took and used that and shook us up? And what would it be if he changed what was in the bottle? So our reactions become more Christ-like than what they are right now. What would it do to the world around us? May it be that we not be content with just ourselves, but that we strive to bring Jesus to the world around us. We've been singing another song this weekend that has so touched my heart because it talks about surrender. When you and I surrender to a holy and awesome God, it's not to be whooped. It's to join the family. It's the beauty of adoption. And the last few lines of that song say this. This is where I lay it down. You are all I'm chasing now. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Fellowship, will you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we thank you so much for the joy of being met here in this place, for the opportunity to come 900 miles away from home, but yet realize that we are home because here in the body of Christ, there is family because of Jesus, united under the banner of his love and witnessing even again today the joy of a young one taking steps forward with you. Father God, please help us to realize that we are not on our own. Help us to realize that there is no sacrifice too great for us to make for you because you paid the ultimate sacrifice in sending your son to die on the cross of Calvary for us, Father. And in response, may we be willing to bend the knee and trust the king. Lord God, I pray that for our teens, that you would bless them immensely. Father God, I pray that you would empower Tim to speak the word to them week in and week out with authority and conviction and grace and love and the passion that was such a joy to witness. Lord God, I pray that you would grow our adults here today that they would be strong oaks, not just for themselves, but Father God, for those coming up behind them, and that they would grow in each of their Sunday school classes and under the careful 
instruction of Pastor Ryan as he brings your word. Father God, I pray that you would bless him and encourage him in the years ahead. And Father God, I thank you for his graciousness to allow me to be here today. Father, we thank you because where you are two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. So thank you, Father God, for being with us today. And we say all these things in your precious son's name, Jesus. Amen.